In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Support Black Podcasts. Beat Society. Now. An avenue that showcases producers and their creative works as an artist. Beat Society, the podcast. Since 2001, the original showcase dedicated to the fine art of beat making. Check out the Beat Society podcast, updating every Tuesday on BeatSociety.com and wherever you find podcasts. Get involved. Get into it. And remember, support Black Podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to you from the planet Brooklyn. Yes, sir. More specifically, we're coming to you from the beautiful cafe they call Butch and Coco. Located right here on Howard Avenue in Brooklyn, home of the absolutely most scrumptiest honey barbecue wings that I have ever tasted. And they're good, too. Yes, they're finger-licking good. It's been a long time since I had something that had me licking like in, underneath my, my fingernails for the sauce. It was delicious. And you, Vince? I had a wonderful... Turkey bacon cheese and egg sandwich. No, say that I correctly. The best turkey egg cheese and egg sandwich that I've ever had. And I know my way around a turkey bacon egg and cheese sandwich. Yes, Vince knows his way around food, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, Butch, Butch and Coco is all that. This is our return visit to Butch and Coco. Uh, tonight we are here to review 1995's Higher Learning. Written, produced, and directed by John Singleton and starring Omar Epps, Michael Rappaport, Krista Swanson, Jennifer Connelly, and Ice Cube and Busta Rhymes of hip-hop fame. Hey, I got a question I want to ask you all. How many people came here to change the world? Welcome to the real world. They came to Columbus University to get an education. 
So they got you running for the school. And if you don't run, you don't get no tuition, right? That's the way the system goes. Where are you from? Orange County. Is that near Compton? It, it's near Disneyland. It's different here than I thought it was going to be, you know? Hey, man. Seems like everybody's sticking to their own. <laughs> Me and my buddies, we were going to go get a drink. Do you want to come along? It's not really safe to walk around campus by yourself at night. Hey, let's see your ID. Now let us see your ID. No matter who you are. Where are we going? We're going to my house. Billy! No! No matter where you're from. Are you having problems here at Columbus? Well, these fools be tripping when they see a black face. No matter what you believe. How do you feel knowing that when you graduate, you might not be able to get a job because of the color of your skin? Guess I never thought about that, man. What you learn is up to you. You on this couch you sitting on? This school? This country? You? You support the Black Panthers? It's reverse racism, man. What? How do you feel knowing that this country doesn't belong to you any longer? We're behind enemy lines, dog. He just want to go to school. Information is power. This is power. About time to raise a body here. On your marks! I was fit to kill one of them white boys. Set! This is the opening stage of the World War III. You're dead. There are many ways to fight a battle. Some people use their mind. Some people use their fists. What are you gonna do, college boy? One's primary purpose at university level should be to learn how to think. Without struggle, there is no progress. Columbia Pictures presents a new film from John Singleton. And joining us tonight in that review are two noted spectacular comic book creators. We have the executive editor of Valiant Comics by way of DC, Lion Forge, and every other place in comic dumb, single-handedly the smartest man on the internet, Joe Illich, and sitting alongside him, we have the noted artist, creator of Aztec, um, artist of Watson and Holmes, and the latest artist on DC Comics, Michael Cray, that's Michael DC Cray. Wildstorms, Michael Cray, and I'm going to put it out there, the best dancer you have ever seen. It's true. He, it's it, true. Just ask him. He will stop on a dime on a corner in Brooklyn and just break into... I will not do that. Some, <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Don't be fooled. Don't, let, don't, don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. And Stephen Harris is here with him. Hello, gentlemen. How are yes, you both doing? How I'm are doing you? well. I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here yeah. in Best Eye Brooklyn at Butch and Coco. It is a pleasure to have both of you here. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And after that introduction for Steve, I'm waiting for a break in three. Don't start with me. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) That's what I'm waiting for now. Who's going to shoot it? Oh, man. I know who's starring in it. (laughs) We just need a writer and director. (laughs) You'd be like son of Turbo. Oh, God. Coming to avenge your father. Pretty okay. much. No, I think Turbo and I are probably the same age, close to the same age. 
Mm. It'll be awkward. Right. <laughs> Brother of Turbo. <laughs> right. Oh, it just writes itself. That's pretty <laughs> much. I swear I can see it. Oh, my God. Welcome, gentlemen. Yes. Welcome. Yes. And uh, it was your selection to, for us to review higher learning, if I, if I um, am correct. Steve, this was your selection, really. Yeah, I'll take responsibility for that. <laughs> yes. why, why higher learning? I, I was racking my brain for a black movie. You guys like covered a bunch of them, plus others I haven't seen before. And I wasn't ready for Rosewood. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember not really liking Poetic Justice too much. Mm. Um, I didn't want to see a gang movie. I mean, even though I loved... Uh, uh, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Right. Uh, and I just, and I just couldn't think of anything else off the top. I was kept, I kept thinking, like, what else? I probably should do the internet search, but, but higher learning kept coming to my head because I, I saw it once. I remember liking it a lot uh, when I saw it, and I said, let me, let me try it again, see if I still had the same thoughts. Okay. Uh, seeing it again, see what happens. Do you consider yourself a movie buff? No. 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 I don't. Not even like in the movies in general. I do go to movies, but I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not looking at. I, I don't know directors off the top of my head like you guys sure. do. I, I can't tell different styles like that. Um, I'm not as nuanced as some people who I've who I've known who are movie buffs. Right. I mean, I look at movies. I, I look for storytelling, uh, in, cer- in certain flows and movies. But by I wouldn't consider myself by no means a connoisseur of movies. Okay. But this stuck with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And and Joe, what, your relationship with higher learning? Uh, my relationship with higher learning is <laughs> I've seen it once. Okay. Um, very ambitious film. Uh, someone that we did not mention in the intro who was in the film, and we have to give her love, is Tyra Banks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Tyra was in that film. Um, very important character um, in terms of symbolism. And um, so... Very ambitious film. You know, I feel like I could I could tell that it was early in Singleton's career, and I admire the attempt to reconcile so many themes yes, in uh, two hours yes. and, you know, build to a crescendo. And right. to, to your point about it being ambitious, because I had my notes that it was like, it was, um, I think, Dear White People was... This version of that, right? Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Was interesting. Was so basically the same right. thing. So it was a precursor yeah. with your white people, right? Right. Right. And and then also, you know, you think about was it she's got to have it? That's which was no. Which was the second film that Spike Lee did? School days. Oh, school, school days. days yeah, right. School days. Which also, you know, really looked at um, that kind of lifestyle. You know, the collegiate environment for um, black people and basically higher learning kind of widened that and it took on some themes which were probably seen as daring at the time Mm -hmm. and are now standard operating procedure Um, definitely sexual experimentation yeah Yeah. you know what was going on with Christy Swanson's character and Jennifer Connelly's character and her you know, basically trying different genders. You know, mm-hmm. she was looking for some affection. She was looking right. for someone who understood her, and two people understood her, and she decided not to try and choose. Yeah. Like, Which, let me, yeah. let me, let me try for both, right? And and and, and that's a human theme. And 
while it doesn't go to the core of what I feel this film was about, again, the fact that, you know, Singleton as a writer and director took that on in the time when this film came out, that's pretty daring. It's pretty gutsy. And devoted as much time of the movie to it because it's not just like a simple C plot there. It very much is nuanced, thought over, and like, you know, has an arc into itself within the film. And that that is... um, that probably speaks to the running time of the movie a little bit. Yeah. Right, yeah, like yeah, two hours, yeah. two hours and eight yeah, minutes. I was about to say <laughs> two like, plus. There's yeah, no I joke. Like, oh, shoot, is that long? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a long one. Yeah, it like is. Like, the, the, I was trying to think if it was as long as Malcolm X, but Malcolm X was no, three no, hours. No, no, Malcolm X, yeah. yeah three. And I mean, that's a tour de yeah. force. And Malcolm X is still on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. And to your point about the, 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 the scene, with the, that reminded me of the scene of uh, Spike Lee's movie with Flipper. Uh, with, with uh, in Mobile Blues, mm-hmm. when he was, yeah. he was with Joy, yeah. Joy Lee's character and Cindy Williams' character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he was just going back and forth, but he got confused. Yeah, <laughs> it's who, who's who. Different. I mean, different theme, but same. It just reminded me of that scene. Right. But it's interesting you mentioned like Mobile Blues because another thing that this film really had that really like touched me was um, the tenderness with which it handled um, black intimacy. You know, yeah. like the love scene between Omar Epps' character of Malik and, you know, Tyra Banks' character yeah. of Deja, right? That is something that you kind of see that black filmmakers definitely feel a responsibility to show the beauty of black love, if for no other reason than to counter the negative narrative the negative cinematic narrative, well, the, the negative social right. narrative yeah, right. of black men and black mm. women and black men portrayed as these bucks and superhuman right. monsters. Sure. Sure. Black women um, portrayed as these fetishistic conquests of non-black men, mm-hmm. right? right? So the opportunity to show black intimacy as a tender, um, spiritual thing is really touching, mm-hmm. you know, and of course makes the ending all the more tragic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It held up much better than I thought it would have. Yeah. Like, I, you know, much like you, I think I saw it in 94 mm-hmm. and didn't think anything else about it. Yeah. So, and I thought that maybe I didn't think anything else about it is because it was forgettable. Yeah. But I, I, it was... It was a bit of a revelation rewatching it mm. in light of what has gone on in the 20 years since it was made. Yeah. You know, it's, it's striking and sad how relevant it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't talked with about... Yeah, with gun shooting and camp, campus shooting. Well, the campus shooting, but also the radicalization of Michael um, Rappaport's yeah. character. Yeah. Where he's basically recruited into... An American terrorist sect. Yeah, you know, in this case, they are they are Nazi skinheads. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciated how John Singleton laid out step by step mm-hmm. how it happens. Right, where where he's recruited into it, and you know, to I think Lynn's point about the attention that is paid to um, Christy Swanson's character, mm-hmm. I do think that the film is very measured 
mm. in its approach to these three right. storylines right. and and how they not only parallel each other yeah. but the ending which again I had forgotten but the way the ending book ends the beginning where Christy Swanson and Omar Epps' character mm. are on the elevator and it's you know it's the stereotype right. of right. right. you know, black man and a white woman in an elevator. That's right. Yeah. yeah. She holds yeah, yeah, her yeah. purse. Yeah. yeah. But then at the end they make the radical action of talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And for the first time in the movie. For the first time in the entire movie and he actually lampshades it and says you know I've seen you around but I've never spoken to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's not a huge thing. It's not, you, you know, this big moment. But I appreciated, again, how deliberate and measured the filmmaking was. Mm-hmm. Especially for his second movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I ended up liking it much more than I expected. Yeah. From the level of just filmmaking. Yeah. I kind of liked it less. Okay. <laughs> really? I did. I did. I mean, I did. It was it was ambitious. Yes, it was ambitious. Uh, it was a, like I said. Just like I said, it was a. a, a it, it, he, had, he had a lot in it. Uh, I was. It was what he was saying. I had no problem with. I guess it was more some of the performances. Well. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, like Omar Epps' character was. I mean, I've heard the dialogue before. The the, the thing he was saying, you know, the black man, this, that, and the other. Right, right. And of course, in spirit, I can agree with some of it. It's just the way he laid it out was like. I mean, or, or, or delivered it. I just had a problem. It's like, oh, guys, kind of feels kind of hackneyed or. Little well, I mean, it's, it's pretty tricky because because I mean, guys sound like that, right? And it's like, is there a better way to perform it, or is is there, maybe there's not a better way to perform it? I don't know. And it was the '90s. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like a yeah. Lot of right. It wasn't. It, it was a '90s. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, and I think this is something that was happening with. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that happens with. I think. You know, creators when they have been marginalized historically, when they get their chance on stage, it's basically like the Hamilton attitude, right? I'm not giving away my shot, right? right. So basically, right. it's like I'm gonna pack in everything right. that I can pack in right. into this film. Yeah. Right. So Singleton, I think, felt on him the onus to pack it in. Yeah. And what I figured out about Omar Epps' character of Malik kind of midway through the film that parallels Rappaport's character is that neither of them know what their position is. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're right. both looking for a position. Yeah, they They're both looking for belonging. And if anything, Ice Cube knew his position, right? Well, yeah. And, well, he had been there um, seven years. And, yeah. <laughs> you know... The professor knew his position, played right. by Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. and Jennifer Connelly's character knew her knew position. Her position right. And the head of the neo-Nazi movement, Scott, knew his position. Yeah. So Omar Epps and Michael Rappaport's characters were trying to figure it out. And the tragedy of Omar Epps' character is that, and this really speaks to the strength of a film in a way, the film really showed black women as... Um, mentors mm-hmm. of black men and as people who are guiding other people. So Regina King's character was a guide for Christy Swanson's character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Tyra Banks's Deja character was the mentor, was the Obi-Wan Kenobi for um, Omar Epps' character of Malik. Right. And the tragedy 
is that she died so horribly, and in the end, I don't know if he has his answer yet. Like, when he's running, is he running toward his future? Is he running away from this campus that represented nothing but, like, pain and um, suffering and something that pulled out all of his anger? Like, when he was trembling, when... Um, Deja's character was dying when he was immobile when he could not do anything like I really felt I really felt his impotence Mm, I really felt like he felt absolutely powerless in the face of everything I I felt for him at that moment and I don't and I don't know if he was running away from something or running to something you know well they were freshmen And, and you know I think I think the film did a really good job of depicting that moment where you are trying to figure yourself out, where you are trying to build your own language of, mm. of you know, where it is you stand. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, because you said Michael Rappaport's character and Omar Epps, but in a lot of ways, Chrissy Swanson's character is on that path. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Just, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times the learning curve is that much harsher when you're a young woman. Mm. When you, you know, talking about how this is still relevant yeah. today, you know, in the midst of Me Too, in the midst of all these right, movements. Right. And this is what, you know, this is what happens sometimes. Yeah, and and the, the nuance of, of rape. And, and the nuance of rape and, yeah. and the, the utter, I mean, it's it's... It's a disruption on so many levels. Yeah. So that, you, you know, again, you have this movie-wide arc mm-hmm. of Omar Epps and Michael Rappaport, but her arc, in a lot of ways, ends a half hour, 45 minutes into the movie. It does. Because of what happens. Mm. And now she has to reorient herself. Now she has to, you know, figure out what love is, and she tries to do this thing. And, and it's, you know... It, it, there it is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that movie made me want to see where some of those characters are now. Right. It does. Mm, right. It does. Because I honestly feel like, as much as you do feel for Omar Epps and Malik, and and you know, Tyra Banks' character, of course, you 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 are like it's it's heartbreaking. Her 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 death scene in this movie is it's one of the most vivid recollections I have of the film. Right. But I actually feel to a degree. That Krista, Krista Swanson's character and Michael Rappaport's character are actually the tr- the two tragic figures here. Her, because of what she has to endure, and, you know, just, I mean, she was already, like, you know, deer in the headlights yeah. there already. And then to have that, you know, th- to deal with that sexual rape. Right, um, right there, basically on the, like the first night. I was about to say within the first couple of weeks. And I, now that's yeah. and now that's the 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 backdrop upon which you're you're trying to gauge how you relate with everybody. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible that she was even able to make the the art that she does by the end of the movie right. for me. But the Michael Rappaport character, I really felt for him because yes, I. I can certainly feel for his awkwardness. As a geek, you can feel for anyone's awkwardness. But I actually felt for him because there were times where 
I believe he was genuinely just kind of reaching out. Mm-hmm. And just, just basically, and, and not even reaching out for anything special. Just basically re- reaching out to like at least see me, at least hear me. Like you know, like dude, do you have to turn up your music so loud? I'm yeah. studying. Right. You know what I mean? Um, hey, you know, like uh, yeah, I don't know how to play pool. You know, y'all want to teach me how to play pool? Right. Right. I mean, he was actually reaching out, and you saw many ways where he was either ignored, shunned away, or bullied. Well, I mean, because that's why as much as Cube, you know, not so much Buster, because Buster was basically one note, yeah. but as much as Cube is trying to come off as like this Obi-Wan of the black students there, him being so bullying mm-hmm. to everyone else, I felt was like, well, well, certainly there are guys that are, that are both ways, uh-huh. but... <clears throat> I would have thought that his character would only do it when provoked. And I don't think Michael Rappaport ever provoked that out of him. Well, I think some of it is just the dynamic of that guy. Like, that guy who has been on campus for six, seven years. True, true. Like, you know, and he's... Like, why are you still in the dorms? And you're, <laughs> That's the you've other been way. here six, seven years. But I think that is an actual person that you run into. Yeah, which, someone who has all the information but doesn't really apply it. Right. And and again, why are you still here? Yeah. But see, but then what happens is when he graduates at the end, it's Pat. It has exactly. no impact. And, and, right. and, and when exactly. you talk about character arcs, you know, I would argue Cube's character did not have an arc. Oh, he right. didn't have an arc oh, at no, all. Cube's at character all. was consistent from beginning to end, in which yeah. case, how'd you graduate, bro? Right. 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 You know, if anything, you should have still been there. Right. Right, because symbolically you represent something else, and that something else loses some of its agency once it leaves the school. Mm-hmm. Right, some it which loses is, all of it. Exactly, that's his whole identity. He's still there, right? Which you know, again, undermines any sort of Obi Wan Kenobi mentorness if it only works here in the dorm. Mm-hmm. So, I actually thought. It did a good job. Like, one of you mentioned Dear White People earlier, and I thought this is one of the few times that you see a depiction of white culture or white college culture through black eyes. That's yes. true. And, yeah, okay. Yeah. And it kind of spoke to the way that, you know, if you went to a, a, a predominantly white institution, like, like I did, that's how you kind of look at that world, that mm-hmm. kind of frat row keg, you know, is, is sort of wild. And I think you get a bit of that in Dear White People, too. Mm-hmm. So that's another way that you, you kind of see this as a precursor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Another thing I did like, and it's a subtle thing, I like that Lawrence Fishburne's character was just a teacher. Yeah. Like you didn't see him like all of a sudden he was that you know the the chaperone at the party right. or you know you didn't see him in the, in the lunchroom he was when you saw him he was being really he was being academic the whole time oh mm-hmm. yeah except until the end when you know he comes to to after the, the you know the the shooting and also about his character I mean I find I didn't agree with his politics most of it, most most of it but I didn't not I didn't didn't dislike the character. Right. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was a really he was a good character, yeah. and I liked how his introduction basically was used to reveal that um, economic disadvantage 
goes across world, yeah. different sectors, right. Yes. right? Like, when you find out why all those people <laughs> were standing up, it was like, holy crap. Yo, yeah. and that's real talk. They you know, did that at Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like, wow, okay, so this, you know, this is With showing. The person's office or something? The rest no, had everybody stand up in the class. Oh, oh, that, yeah, yeah. And oh, like, that's humiliating. Yeah, I've been like, told that you need to go handle some stuff. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, because <laughs> college education is a lot of things, but not free. That's no. right. Not free. <laughs> or here's part of your education that you didn't know you were signing up for. <laughs> right, right, now, right. My question was, how did he not know he had partial scholarship and not full scholarship? Well, I mean, you know, there were a couple of holes. Yeah. No, I don't think that was a hole. I think he had a full scholarship. But remember in the beginning yeah. when he shows up on yep, the track right. and he gives the coach lip. Yep. Oh, and the, you think right. the coach, coach then and, 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 and said it's a partial comp. Right. That's so why he had to go back with his tail between his legs and decide to apply himself. Right. And that's the way he was able to solve the problem. And then he would so earn that he could the have full an scholarship right. depending on how he comes through at the end of that year. So, so I guess the coach has that. Oh, I guess, yeah. Coach, college coach have, have, have to have power. Oh, yeah. Uh, hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. If you want an athletic scholarship, the <laughs> the coach is God. Yeah. That's right. And he going to give him his lip the, the first right. day? That's right, yeah. What? He, he did say you got to talk to your coach. Yes. Yeah, he did say that. See, and again, that's why I feel like um, Malik was a character who didn't know his positioning in the beginning because when you first meet him, he's got a superstar complex. Right. It's yeah. not about being... Um, commodified by right. the college or to be commodified in the future. It's not about, you know, white people looking at you on campus. It was, you know, you rolling up there thinking you Bo Jackson. <laughs> or right. you rolling up there thinking you LeBron James. And it's like, you ain't LeBron James yet, son. You gotta work your way to be LeBron James. Right, right. You know, so it was that complex that he entered the movie with, that he entered our lives with, right? Yeah. Now, Lawrence Fishburne's accent. You know what he made, made me think of? Made me think, he made me think of a scholar. Who? Ivan Van Sertima. Oh. I, the, uh, he just or, made me think that it was a bad accent. It could have been. Okay. I'm, but, I'm, you, I'm not, but you think it was a deliberate. I think he had. Now, that's interesting. I, you ever see Ivan Van Sertima? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, when he's you said just, it. He has an afro. Yes. And he has a, but he has, Ivan Van Sertima is from Guyana. It has more of a high pitched accent, uh, more ice, a high pitched, more a little, a little screechy. See, I should have called you while I was watching it and said, "What's the deal with the accent?" Clearly, we all should have called and him while we were watching said, it. Oh well, that is actually an allusion to Ivan Van Sertima. That's my, that's my, I was I was listening as watching it last night. That's, that's what I thought about. Okay, <clears throat> that's what I thought about. It sounds like Joe, you you shared uh, Vince's sentiment about the accent. Yeah, basically, my feeling about it was, well, at least it's more consistent than the Storm in the X-Men trilogy oh, accent, right? That's a low bar, I was like, okay, I was like, okay, at least yeah. this is the same accent, the same level all the way through. Listen, right. I mean, every, people always talk about people's accents aren't, aren't, aren't authentic or they lose it in the movie. 
I've heard mm-hmm. you say it a few times. I said I, I, I've missed it those other times, whatever movie it was. So I was paying close attention to this. Right. I right. knew I wasn't get, I wasn't gonna get it if, if it was accurate. But I'm gonna catch it. I'm gonna try and look for it and catch it. See if if he keeps it. If he's, if he's at least consistent with it. Right. He kept yeah. it. He I, kept thought, it. I, I thought he was consistent. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you guys agree with me. No, he was. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was consistent. He was consistent. The one who did, the, the famous one that I've I've noted was in um, Eve's Bayou. Samuel Jackson's accent comes and goes. Oh, interesting. I didn't remember movie, that. End of the movie. It's. It's non-existent. What accent does he have? He's by you. I, I, he doesn't know, so I don't. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's southern. Wow. I think it's just southern. <laughs> yeah, it's southern. That's wild. Yeah, yeah that, that that was that I was. See, I never saw all of these these by. Oh, it's amazing film. Amazing film. These holes in y'all black movie. He never. He, I love. That's the right. Look. I never saw Rosewood. That's I right. I love the look on Stephen's face. It's like. <laughs> Here they go. It's Dare in the Headlights. No, so basically, you like Christy Swanson now. You Dare in the Headlights. It was more like, all right. It's, oh, yeah. We're this is what happens on the Michelle mission. Right. You want a show named after Oscar one, Michelle, you're going to get called things. out if you ain't seen There's a popular a movies, black film. There's a lot of movies I've ever seen. You're going to get right. called out. I, was, I mean, in the 90s, I was using either reading stuff or at rallies or listening to talk radio. Right, right. Oh, yes, yes. The audience has missed our pre-recording uh, visit <laughs> to security of the first world and Stephen Harris and the makeshift shotguns. <laughs> now, I never held it before, but I saw it. I was like, right, right, oh, right, sure, right, sure, right, right, sure, right, right, sure, right. sure, sure, sure. Sure, there's no powder burns on your hand <laughs> that, that conspicuously can't snap. I was about to say, is that why you can't oh, snap? That activist stuff, man, that's, that's some... That's some anxiety, high anxiety stuff, no, man. No, but I think, you know, back to the film, I think the film kind of captures that 90s feeling yes, yeah, on yeah. campus where yeah. everything was really fraught. Yeah. Like, it seemed like everything was really sort of agitated mm-hmm. at the time. And, you know, the, I guess because it came out in 95, I didn't notice it because it was 95. We were, everybody was still sort of in the midst of it. Yeah, we were in the middle of it. But yeah. 20 years later, looking back, it really does capture that moment mm-hmm. where it was. It just seemed... It does, yeah. You, you know, everybody was sort of on edge. Everybody mm-hmm. was abrasive. Well, guess what? Everyone's on edge now. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's well, yeah, on edge today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So either the film is prescient or... America goes in cycles, and crap was just that bad then, too. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, and no internet then. You know, right. so. And no internet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's really, really weird when you see that. You <laughs> no know what cell, I mean? No cell, cell phones? No cell phones either, right? No, no, no cell, cell phones, phones, no internet, yeah. everybody having to go into, like, everybody using Ice Cube's computer. Right. How that's about right. that to print uh, papers? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was really uh, yep. the little time capsule there. Yeah. You know I mean, mean, even the mechanics of dorm life, where you had roommates meeting each other mm-hmm. on the day that they walk in. Right. As opposed to, you know, if you have any young people in your family, like they email each other and text each other all summer. Oh, yeah. They're best so friends. That, yeah, by the time they get to the dorm, it's just like, oh, hey. I don't know if my daughter did that beforehand. But um, but she knows, but she knows beforehand who's who's going to be their roommate. Yeah. Oh yeah. And now over the years, she has one, and there's two new ones. Though, but yeah, but yeah, it's 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 different. Yeah. But oh, I yeah. never, I, I never, but I was on, I, I never experienced doing life though. Oh okay. Yeah. 
I did, and and they and I had a white roommate, and yeah. even the dynamic of that. My wife did. Now yeah. She had one. She had, and she had, cause she's from Texas. Okay. And she had. She, she tell me. Yeah. She had. She had. Ex, yeah. A right. Well, a couple white roommates before. Yeah. Oh over, yeah. Over uh, the course of the time she was in college. And it is certain. It is a. It is a dynamic. Yeah. And you know, I yeah. think uh, John Singleton. You can tell he went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. And probably oh, yeah. had some roommates. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah, what was cool is that they showed different examples of that dynamic through the different characters. Right. Mm-hmm. And how there were different kinds of relationships, how they developed. You know, um, Regina King and Christy Swanson got closer, whereas Malik and his roommates split apart. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was also interesting that, you know, Regina King's character liked Christy Swanson's character. But mm, not so cool if she's a lesbian, right? You know, right. it's like oh, yeah, right. you know, <laughs> that was yeah. I thought that was <laughs> like, kind of uh, interesting yeah. too. Mm-hmm. But that was the, she. It's not. She was like she saw it was gonna. Be, it was at least gonna take a bit of adjustment on Regina King's character because she's like, oh really? Right, right. Because it wasn't. Well, we're doing that now. Yeah, <laughs> right, but I mean, she was clearly like, I'm gonna help you nail that dude. Right, right. right. But who's this chick yeah, coming right. to our door? Right. <laughs> There's two different dynamics, right? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So two different dynamics. Yeah. yeah, I certainly did like like bump up against that a little bit. Like, oh yeah, I guess that was of its of its time. Yeah, yeah. You know that's what I mean? Right. That was real talk. That's you right. You know what I mean? And yeah. and again, I have to keep saying, they're all freshmen. Yeah, that's the other like, a- they're aspect. Basically, of it. glorified high school students, mm-hmm. and they're just sort of figuring it out. So. Which, which, to Joe's point, it would have been fascinating to re- to return to this movie, right? Right. To like see where they are, like junior, senior year. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? There's some of their characters because probably a few of them probably wouldn't have been there. That's you know, right. That's you know, right. Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. In college. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Omar Epps' character. They have to. I mean, he went through a, a, a storm just in the last five minutes of the movie. Oh man. I mean, he lost his girl. He's running to get the dude. He's beating the dude up. Campus security hems him up. And I didn't want to lose that. This is one of the best depictions of campus security. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this oh, interesting. very much reflected my experience. Wow. Where, oh, really? I was like, wondering about this. Like, they, I thought they were a little, like, as, as far as my experience Right now, been. in my wallet, because I work at a university, I have my university ID in front of my, coll- of my, my license. Because it was, you could not move on Maryland's campus without somebody asking you for your ID. And it becomes... As a black man. As, black as a person. black man. And it happens so black often, person. you don't even realize, at least in my case, until years later, hey, that was whack. Like, yeah. they're not supposed to stop me every Right, that minutes. was excessive. Right. Like, like, that's not normal. Mm. Right. But it's, it is that low-key microaggression and oftentimes it wasn't micro yeah. to let yeah. you know that we don't think you're supposed to be here. And every time you move, you are always susceptible to someone challenging your presence. Yeah. yeah. So, and I liked how that was an ongoing theme throughout the film. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Um, 
we're here at Butch and Coco, ladies and gentlemen, reviewing <laughs> Higher Learning. Joe Illich and, and Stephen Harris, they've just gotten their order. And so we're jo- going to get into some higher eating. Joe has, looks like, what looks like it was some delicious, like, what's that, chicken and waffles? Yeah, chicken and red velvet waffles with strawberries. Mm. No, I want. He wants honey. Yeah. Honey. He wants honey. He doesn't want any syrup. He puts honey on his on his waffles because that's what the world's smartest man eats. <laughs> You're a bit of a dandy. I am a dandy. A fancy man. Honey is natural. Syrup is artificial. They both taste good, but it's not the same. Joe, do you know what Swiss chard is? I do, and I love it. Boom. The Swiss chard is green chard is red chard. There's more than one char? Yes. Oh, apparently I have found my people. Yeah, there's a yeah, multicolored chard. Yep. Uh-huh. I've never heard of Swiss chard. Swiss chard is more having yellow streaks in it. Green chard is pretty much green, I think, with red. I think that's the basic chard. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It looks similar to, the red chard looks similar to um, beet leaves. Uh-huh. But not quite. Beet leaves, Lynn. Look, you got to understand... We're in Brooklyn. We have at least two Whole Foods. You understand that? Uh huh. Uh huh. You understand that? Any more, one any more a stone's throw from the Barclays Center, and one in Gowanus. Any more questions, Lynn, about Swiss chard and who does and does not know about Swiss chard? <laughs> Gentlemen, one last thing before I let y'all eat. <laughs> Do you enjoy collard greens? Yes. Oh, hell yes. And my fiancé got a recipe from my uncle's wife that involves cooking it for three hours, and it involves taking both red peppers, bell peppers, roasting them, putting them in a blender with some other ingredients, and then putting that in the water in which you cook the collards. Those some fancy collard greens. My yeah. Does, my wife does it differently. We don't we like it. We like it that way too. But she doesn't cook them. She doesn't cook them long. She pretty much sautés them mm. with, um, with um, garlic. Garlic, yeah, I say. Uh, olive oil. She used to use brags. She uses brags anymore. Um, I think some lemon, uh, maybe. I'm not sure if she uses lemon or not, but but yeah, but she sautés them with pepper, not pepper, uh, garlic and tomatoes with some um, maybe some rosemary in it too. Yeah. Okay. And then my mom's from Jamaica, so she cooks it with bacon yeah. for a long time. Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Steve, Joe, would you recommend people see Higher Learning? You first. Your name got called first. He's like Steve. He's like Steve Joe. Don't look at me. Yes, because it was it, it was ambitious. Um, I guess the second the second go around, it was kind of. Hard in some space to watch because I guess because it, it was dated. The, as as far as the performances, I mean, I was I was kind of um, um, when Omar Epps um, when he was in uh, Lawrence Fishburne's arms. Yeah, that was a bit much for me. Yeah, yeah, that, t- that was, was, same for me. Yeah, it was like I was like you could probably do this a little better. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's like a little, little over over the top. I mean, yeah, you went through a lot. You see, you see a girl die, you beat somebody up, you get handed by campus police, and see someone kill themselves. Yeah. It's a lot. 
life for a lifetime. But yeah, but I, mean, I would recommend it. I would recommend it. And then see your white people. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a good. That's a good the suggestion. Film. No, the movie. I mean, uh, the Netflix. How? 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 Netflix. I mean, what John Singleton did requires what. What the time the, the link that white the white people was going through in in the whole series yeah. though okay yeah it would it, it, nice. it would it would be a, it should be a, a higher learning series which I think is dear white people right so that's interesting like a straight line from John Singleton to Justin Simeon yeah very interesting yeah that yeah. Is interesting yeah I mean for me I would recommend it because it's a product of its time yeah and if you watch it now it's prescient and. You know, I mean, it really comes down to that, and it has some interesting themes. I mean, it took on a hell of a lot. I honestly think it took on too much, but, you know, the fact is, you know, Singleton as a writer-director saw a responsibility and took an attempt to engage a lot of themes, a lot of themes that are still important in our society today. What's that you, Vince? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, and, and... You know, it's the type of thing where <laughs> where it's always like the end of a show. Like, when you connected it to higher learning the television show, mm-hmm. it really clicked into place for me. Because I think the... I don't know if it's irony or not, but, but when we talked about um, Dear White People, the film, and we talked about Justin Simeon's influences, mm-hmm. I think we spent so much time talking about Spike Lee. And there are certain flourishes that he made that looks like early Spike Lee. But I think it's a much clearer connection between this film mm-hmm. and and um, Dear White People and certainly the series, right. which, which really unpacks all of those relationships. Yeah. And, and I would recommend it. I would yeah. recommend it. I, like I said, I think I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. By how much I like this film, there there are some creaky parts. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, some of the script is a little creaky. I found Lars Fishburne's um, accent distracting, but those are little things. Mm-hmm. Those little. I think this film has aged much better than a lot of films from '95. Mm. So I would recommend it. I too am. Pleasantly surprised by how much I actually did enjoy this film. I'm surprised you liked it, Lynn. I, was, I knew Lynn wasn't going to like it. Oh, no. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, just, I enjoy a great many of our films that we watch, Steve. Lynn enjoys films. <laughs> I thought he was going to come down hard with it, man. Look. God, you're not, you're not the last dragon. And then it, it, all of a sudden, I hate everything. I like the film. I liked it. I like Michael Rappaport. Um, I, I love watching early Regina King, mm-hmm. finding her always, way towards be, becoming the fantastic actress that she is now. Um, I like even one. I even like One Note Ice Cube. You know, he was kind of fun. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, and then Omar Epps, I've always said he was just like, just he's a guy who, like, put in a right situation can do wonders. Yeah. In a movie, he's got he's got the look, he's got the chops, he's yeah, got the he's, he's got, got the range, he's got the range. Um, this is the best thing Tyra Banks has ever done on camera, mm. um, mm-hmm. and it may be my my favorite John Singleton movie. It's a little bit too long, it's a little overpacked, but it's it's audacious yeah. in what it goes for. And I think some of the flourishes that we we are knocking are 
you know, forgivable for a second time major filmmaker. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I think people should definitely see it. And it definitely is still, while aspects of it are of its time, there are sadly some aspects of it that are timeless. Yes. And I just want to circle back something you said. A, I think this might be my favorite John Singleton <clears throat> film, too. Really? B, they're not in many scenes together. I think they only have one actual exchange. Ice Cube and Regina King together oh, yeah. are gold. Like, I wish they would make a movie together. <laughs> like I, you, you know, I would like to see that. Yeah, yep. you see that'd that. would be great. It's like that quick relationship from Friday. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that's right. I really like the two of them. I got to so. see Friday again. I see, I see me once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it. I said I see it again. <laughs> Friday's a great film. <laughs> you know, maybe he we can, felt my eyes. We can, we can, we can have a spinoff podcast where we just ask Stephen, did he see this movie? <laughs> and then watch Lynn react. So, <laughs> but why did why did um, Jennifer Connelly's character get first top building in the, in the opening credits? I, I what mean, you mean? Who's a bigger star? Because it's Hollywood, right? And, <laughs> and, and she was a bigger star in '95. Right, right. Yeah, that's it's why. Like, I, okay, okay. That's why. I thought that too because she doesn't like, enter like about half hour into yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. But um, but then I realized it's '95. Hey, nothing says mid '90s like Jennifer Connelly. I'm a Jennifer Connelly fan, oh, so yeah. I, I was fine with that. Yeah. So I was I was fine with it. Right. And also, you know, John Singleton is slick. He probably understood that for this film to have a greater chance of success, it had to be balanced. Yeah. And had to have... That name. You know, exactly. Yeah. So there's a bit of a the, strategy to it, Be right? the lead of the trailer. Yeah. Get them eyebrows out there, girl. Eyebrows. <laughs> she has eyebrows. Hello. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much, man. Well, thank you for having us, man. Thanks for having us. It was great. And hey, yes. Yes. great establishment here. In Brooklyn, Butch and Coco's. Yes, it yes, is. It is. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you, Butch and Coco, for uh, welcoming us. Yes. Welcome to the show, Mission. And Stephen Harris. Joe, if people want to get in touch with you guys and want to follow up on everything that you're doing, how should they go about it? All right. If I'm on uh, the Twitters and the Instagrams at and Stephen Harris uh, and Facebook and Stephen Harris. And my website is uh, nstevenworks.com. All right, and for me on Twitter, it's Joseph P. Illage. On Facebook, it's Joe Illage. On Instagram, it's Illmaster1. And I'm usually either spreading some good news about things going on in the world because we have so much bad news, or I'm spreading the word about Valiant Comics. And you can find them at valiantentertainment.com. Nice, nice. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Yes, this has yes. been great. All right. And uh, in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.